Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Very good. Well, it's nice to have you here. I don't know if you remember me, but I study the cosmic microwave background radiation. And today we're going to talk a lot about the early history of cosmology, in particular, Giant's work and his books. I have two of his books here, which I referenced in my book, Losing the Nobel Prize. This one, Current Issues in Cosmology, and this one, uh, Facts and Speculations in Cosmology. And the first thing I want to begin with is if Giant, if you can explain how you got, how you first met Jeffrey Burbage, my late colleague at UC San Diego. How did you first meet how, Jeff Burbage? How you met Jeffrey Burbage? Oh, what happened was uh, I had been a student of Fred Hoyle uh, in Cambridge. And uh, I used to hear about him from Fred. And then one day uh, he turned up in Cambridge, he, both he and Margaret. And there was a great deal of excitement uh, as if some heroes have come, you know, with their names, their name had preceded them. So a number of us students were waiting to talk to them. And he came and then we had a, a informal talk and then he disappeared. Then I saw him only when I went to San Diego. Mm. That was a little later. And how did you meet Fred Hoyle? Oh, how did I meet Fred Hoyle? Yes. He was your advisor? Uh, after I finished my... Uh, what they call the tripos examination is the final degree examination before entering as a research student. Then uh, I did fairly well. So I, I was given the first choice of to whom I could go. So <laughs> for first preference. <laughs> so I went to Fred mm. and Fred was uh, uh, told that uh, there will be three people coming one after the other. So he gave me 10 o'clock time the in the morning. <laughs> the second one uh, came at one hour later and the third one another hour later. So th that was uh, like uh, John Faulkner was one of them and uh, when he came to, when I came to see him, uh, I found that he was very informal, and he mentioned a few uh, topics for research, whatever I would like to pick up, and I uh, said they're fine, but why don't you give me steady state theory to work on? Mm. So he said that, uh, that there are certainly many interesting problems in steady-state theory, but I do not want to keep my student in a controversial position. So I want to give him a topic which is relatively straightforward. That is why he was not giving... So I okay, said, okay, 
I took one of the other problems he had given, and it so happened that within a few months I solved it. Mm. So it could not last me for three years, you <laughs> know, for graduate things. So, uh, the, and in the meantime, uh, Ryle, Martin Ryle came up with his uh, source counts. And Fred was in a way challenged that the source count was inconsistent with his cosmology. So he asked me to come and work with him to see whether we can salvage the cosmology uh, by some uh, trick. It, it was so we said we let us look at it in the following way and we, we tried uh, a new method and it seemed to work so he said you go and uh, you will talk on this at the royal astronomical society so i said why should i talk you should you are the leader so he said no but at that day i have I am supposed to lecture somewhere else. So the, somebody has to reply to Ryle. So I want you to do it. So I was a bit scared to take part in a controversy as a, as a raw research student. So finally, uh, this did happen. I managed to uh, convince the audience that there was a case and uh, therefore uh, the uh, purpose was served. And then I, as you see, instead of being avoiding uh, controversial topic, I was put right into in the midst of it. And this was the beginning of the quasi steady state cosmology, or had he already started that campaign? Is this the beginning of quasi steady state? Hmm. I don't think so. Oh, and the quasi-steady state theory came much later. This was when Burbage and uh, Oil and I, the three of us, we had got a number of times together uh, in uh, the Royal Greenwich Observatory in the UK and in UCSD. So finally, we had suggested a cosmology which is endless, that means it has no beginning, no end, and also uh, it had no singularity. So it was free from space-time singularity, and it produced the uh, microwave background uh, without any difficulty, which steady-state theory had not been able to do. So this quasi-steady state theory has had several papers on it in uh, astrophysical journal, astronomy, astrophysics, and so on. And uh, we feel that that cosmology needs to be examined uh, under whatever latest observations are. <clears throat> and that model, quasi-steady state cosmology featured a new approach that wasn't exactly static. It was evolving very slowly via the presence of a new creation field, a field that you guys called the C field. Whose idea was the C field? 
idea was sea field. The idea of quasi-steady state. Uh, well, the, the sea field itself, the actual creation of matter. In particular, sea field. Sea field used in quasi-steady state. C, letter C. Okay. You see, the sea field was proposed for steady state theory. And we got, at that time, a very simple solution. Now, when quasi-steady state was to be considered, we wanted to put in more uh, kind of what you call parameters. So it became necessary to use the same C-field formulation, but with take a more general solution. And that is what we did in QSAC. And that <clears throat> could account for the expansion. Yeah, I'm sorry, and it, it was an idea which one cannot really uh, identify as the who was the one among the three. We were all involved in throwing the ideas around and discussing. Right. Now, you had earlier worked <clears throat> on what was known as the Hoyle-Narlikar theory of gravity. Was that Hoyle-Narlikar, was the purpose of that to provide a foundation for the QSS, for the quasi-steady-state cosmology, or was it independent of cosmology at all? Your gravitation theory with Fred, was it connected yeah. with quasi-steady-state yeah, somehow? Our gravitation theory was, in fact, the motivator for, for quasi-steady-state cosmology. So when I said that we wanted to generalize the earlier C-field idea, that C-field idea was generalized, creation field idea was generalized by taking some ideas out of uh, our uh, gravitation theory. So it's a kind of cross between these two um, cosmology, these two models. Uh, and <clears throat> Hoyle, uh, of course, is very famous because he came up uh, in, with many things, including the Hoyle resonance and, and other properties. But he's perhaps most famous for making the name Big Bang. Uh, do you think that he intended it to stick for 70 years and more? Or do you think he thought it would go away as a, as a joke more, more than anything else. How did we get the idea, name Big Bang, and did he expect the name to stay or be <laughs> gone? Well, well, Fred always addressed it as the Big Bang. He, he didn't care who, who else uh, got it or uh, used the same word or not. But as you probably know, the Sky and Telescope magazine had uh, run a kind of competition for an alternative name. And they came back saying Big Bang is the best name. <laughs> yes. And they, so uh... I remember at that time, Fred was saying to me that they should have given him the prize for, for the best name. <laughs> Was he a person of good humor? Was he lighthearted or was he more serious? 
spirit more was he like hearted more humor or more serious more what humor did he have a sense of humor or was he more serious well fred had say certain ideas in which he would be triggered off in the, into a series of laughters if he had thought of something happening there but there there were limited topics in which he would be humorous he, otherwise he was more a kind of serious kind mm-hmm. <clears throat> and <clears throat> they um the notion of the of the going back to quasi steady state cosmology the sea field some uh claims have said that it was related to the uh later discovery of dark energy how did you react when teams announced in the late 1990s the discovery of an accelerated expansion of the universe mm-hmm. connection with dark energy what do you uh, think well when you take uh, the quasi steady state cosmology then uh, the need for dark matter or dark energy became different in the following compared to big bang for the following reason for example in the big bang cosmology if you take the early universe when the deuterium was formed so at that time how much deuterium you can make depends on what is the maximum density of baryonic matter if the baryonic matter exceeded a certain limit no no deuterium will be formed so big bang needed to uh, exceed that density but they did not want it to be baryonic so they said the excess must be an ultra uh, this what you call um, without dark uh, dark it is a dark matter a non baryonic matter that is why that came into right in qssc the dark dark matter is there but that is not ordinary matter it is not uh, uh, the strange kind of non baryonic dark matter that is the main difference <clears throat> and the acceleration there was acceleration in the qssc as well i wonder if um if you're familiar with ideas now by people like alan guth certainly you know about inflation you've spoken about that um what challenge do you think is the most significant challenge to the big bang and then i'm going to ask you what is the most significant challenge to the quasi steady state cosmology but first let's start with the standard cosmological model that so called big bang cosmology what is the biggest flaw in your opinion of the big bang and then i'll ask you about the quasi steady state what is the biggest flaw or the problem before big bang biggest, biggest flaw and so something that you don't agree with flaw mm-hmm. what is the biggest defect of i, I big think bang? looking back uh, microwave background has been the main problem which uh, 
on on which big bang people have uh, tried to uh, argue that the uh, uh, non big bang cosmologies like uh, uh, qssc or steady state old steady state they were not valid because they could not explain microwave background now our answer to that is that the explanation of microwave background in qssc is quite different and it comes from previous generations of stars that starlight getting into uh, thermalization process and it ends up as uh, microwave radiation so the advantage with our model compared to the big bang is that in the big bang theory they don't know what is the ultimate temperature today is it turned out to be 2.7 but why 2.7 why not 3 or 5 or 10 that question but we used to say that these uh, uh, our gamma uh, uh, he used to give different answers each time he was asked what is the temperature so he said 5 degrees then 10 degrees 15 degrees so he jabarvish was saying that they don't have any theory whereas in our case if we know how much starlight is around from we can do a calculation and find show that the temperature is about 2.8 so we are in a sense better than the standard cosmology but people have not taken it very seriously yeah <clears throat> it is true that the fluctuation of, of the, oh, let me just repeat your question because i think he has answered it in a different way yes the first question was what is the most important defect of big bang hmm. do you think this is the most important defect problem or flaw with big bang or is there any other thing uh, what we feel is that both this uh, accelerating universe idea and microwave background these are kind of put in by hand afterwards and this uh, people actually don't know why the acceleration is so much and so forth whereas in alternative cosmology in our qssc as barbij and i had shown in one paper which we have shown that it is possible to explain the redshift magnitude relation for Uh, distant supernovae uh, emitters stars uh, galaxies and that has been explained in our theory by saying that there is a background of intergalactic dust which thermalizes and absorbs which is equivalent to a Uh, universe which is apparently accelerating so our idea is that there is an alternative way 
and the Big Bang method is not very good. Uh, it has been put in by hand. Right. So that's interesting. I, I would have thought you might have said the singularity or perhaps the initial creation event, but you seem to say the CMB is the worst aspect of it, uh, which is bad news for me because I study the CMB and its polarization. Um, now I want to ask you, if you were um, <clears throat> Gamov or somebody else, what would they say is the biggest problem with the QSSC defect? What would we say the biggest problem with QSSC? Uh, A critic, uh, someone who's criticizing it. You see, uh, what happens is that in the QSSC, the microwave background uh, was not predicted but is explained afterwards. Whereas in the Big Bang, if you remember, Gamow's students, they had written a paper saying that the relic radiation uh, should be around. And this was a prediction. So when something follows after the prediction, you tend to believe it more than something that has been uh, explained after it has been observed. Right. I would say the, the, the quality-wise, the defect is uh, not there. It is quantity-wise. Quality-wise, one could say that people uh, could explain uh, the uh, microwave background in QSSC using thermalization of uh, starlight and various other gal galaxy lights. And that thermalization process is a very uh, unusual one, but it is possible. I mean, it is observed in certain part of the uh, galaxy. So we know that that kind of absorption is there. So, main question, opponents of QSS, what do the opponents of QSS point out as a defect of QSS? <laughs> well, and, uh, as I said, they, they would say that uh, both accelerating universe and microwave background, they, those are not explained by steady state, causing right. steady state. <clears throat> My answer is that it is explained that it is given in reputed papers. Would you only should go and read it? So I wouldn't accept that criticism. Right. Yes, there's the difference between a prediction and a retrodiction. And it's obviously better to have it's better to have a prediction, although many theories were predicted, um, you know, or rather I should say more. There have been oftentimes people have retrodicted something like Einstein and the perihelion of Mercury, uh, but but they later turn out to then make new predictions. So, um, but do you guys, um, I don't remember if you predicted the acceleration. You you were trying to come up with an expansion mechanism, and that was this creation field or dust. But um, do you think that <clears throat> do you think that Hoyle? who said, once he said, and I quote this in my book in Losing the Nobel Prize, I talk about Hoyle thought that cosmologists were religious, that they believed 
in the Bible too much that the universe began uh, with Genesis. Did you? Th- did he mean that seriously? In your opinion, that the cosmologist of the '60s believed in the Genesis or the biblical uh, creation story? Do you think Hoyle was serious when he said that many cosmologists believe in the Genesis of Bible? Was he serious or was he joking? I think he, he was quite serious. Uh, and although he may have said it in a, in a kind of half-joking fashion. I, I don't know whether you have seen a photograph of Fred Hoyle being presented to the Pope. No, there was an IAU meeting uh, where this Pope was around in Italy. So they arranged this. So when he's uh, talking to the, the, to the Pope, he, the Pope is holding the cross in his hand. It looks as if he's he's, uh, scared of this anti-God person. (laughs) Like a vampire. (laughs) No, I'll have to look up that picture. That would be very funny to him. Willie Fowler took that photograph. Oh, wow. Wow. Very interesting. Um, So the next, we're almost done with the questions. But I want to ask you about some alternative models uh, that are different than QSSC, such as, for example, this year, uh, Sir Roger Penrose won the Nobel Prize for his work on black holes, as, um, as you know. And he's been yeah. on my show very recently, too, uh, as well as uh, many others. And But Martin, um, sorry, uh, going back to Roger Penrose, he has a model which also doesn't have singularities in it. What is your impression of Sir Roger's conformal cyclic cosmology? Well, and you are referring to other theories that means not to do with steady state. Yes, cyclical but not steady. Let me remind him. When Penrose was here in Pune, he at that time he was talking about his model, which was conformal model, and that that did that also. Uh, it was not quasi steady state, but that also explained it was different from Big Bang. I, I, I also remember. Do you have any opinion on those? Uh, not really, because I, I, I do know some alternative cosmologies exist, which are not of the steady state origin or quasi steady state. But uh, I have not studied them in detail to see to what extent they have succeeded. I, I feel there should be more people studying these things. Yeah, that brings me to one of my last questions is about why is it important to have alternative models of the origin of the universe? Why is that important to have more than one? We don't have more than one theory of electromagnetism. Why do you want to have more theory? You see, alternative model you go for if you don't like what is existing at the moment. So there may be different reasons 
for different people to have to have opt for uh, this mod these alternatives i would suggest that uh, the uh, reason has been the partly the fact that the big bang has a singularity singular origin which is a defect of a physical theory and the uh, second thing is uh, there are many places where uh, the observations are explained by adding extra parameters without realizing so this uh, also is uh, likely reason for other cosmologists who are non who are non big bang cosmologists for them to have chosen these alternative routes can i can i add just my yes of course Sorry. i i i study mathematics yes uh, and i have been observing all these people talking about cosmology and different theories and uh, i have come to the conclusion that there is no theory which is completely perfect and can explain all the observations if that is the case why not keep three four different theories before us and keep studying them and see finally which one will fit best why don't we learn from the history like newton's laws i mean we have been studying them in school for years and they are so perfect and so nice but even they when they could not explain the movements of mercury perfectly people had kept that problem alive and when einstein came with his theory and when that theory explained this better it was supposed to be better it was an addition to newton's theory maybe in different scales different theories work more efficiently why don't we keep our minds open and consider different theories in case yours is not perfect that's all yes i agree manjal i think people in physics feel two things they don't like philosophy which i don't uh, i don't understand why physicists don't like philosophy but they also don't like uh, history they find it a distraction they'd rather be doing something so most of my colleagues uh would rather just make more and more uh make make more and more contributions to kind of existing work i think it takes a lot of courage whether or not i agree i i look at data and i look at models i don't come up with new models but um but i agree with you manjal i think it is incredibly important to have much many many ideas and then uh see which ones can be confronted with data and then the data that's my job and my colleagues job with telescopes and then we compare Of course it's always nice when there's a prediction as giant was saying but you're right people don't learn from history like you say and i mean it's just the extension Newton's of Newton's theory by Einstein is a very good example you want to say something no i i wanted to say that if you take i want to give an example that Jeffrey Burbis all through his life was trying to show that there is periodicity in the redshift distribution of quasars quasars yeah see and then he, he also talked about various other 
aspects of non-cosmological redshift. Now, the, the situations since then, that very recently, four Indians have worked on a mo model of statistics to do and uh, do a analysis analysis of the data uh, more critically, and they had taken a, a big sample like uh, Sloan survey and so forth for red chips, and he showed uh, they have shown that there is a periodicity of red chips. And mind you, this has appeared in astronomy and astrophysics, which is a, ref a refereed journal and which is rather conservative in approach. So even in that thing, the referee uh, accepted the paper. And the paper says that the ideas which uh, Hoyle and I had pr proposed uh, in the uh, Markian gravitation theory, mm -hmm. that it does seem to apply uh, to these samples. Mm -hmm. So I think this issue should be kept open rather than uh, say that, that it doesn't exist or it is not right. Right. Um, before I turn to the end of the questions, I have some questions for Manjala that you have uh, studied... Uh, my name is Mangala. Mangala, sorry. So Manga <laughs> Mangala, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, and you studied uh, your mathematician, and of course, uh, you have been married for a long time, and you guys have daughters together, but you've published many, many papers, and uh, in particular, you worked on uh, properties of integers, etc., and Erdos, I wonder, did you ever, how, how, can, how close were you to Erdos in terms of, what is your Erdos number? Uh, my Erdos number is two. two and in wow. fact, I had, yes, he used to visit, I was working in TIFR, Tata Institute, where Jayant was a professor. Yes. But before I married Jayant, I was a research student there. Yes. And uh, before I could complete my PhD work, I uh, married Jayant and went off to Cambridge, setting up the house, having kids, starting to cook and keep the house. They kept me very much busy. And uh, But I took it, took interest in everything. Luckily, when we came back to Mumbai, Jayant got a professorship in TIFR. He chose TIFR as the best place to work. And where he was a professor in another department, I could continue with my study in mathematics again. So mm. after looking after the kids and doing the housework, in my spare time, I started going to my old department. <laughs> my supervisor had left. Uh, I must go and open the door and come back. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. I'll ask Giant then my question for you. Uh, you wrote many books on science fiction in, uh, in particular. What do you prefer, science fiction writing or writing nonfiction books? Sorry? Okay. What do you prefer, writing science fiction or writing nonfiction? Well, I uh, have enjoyed writing science fiction novels. Uh, I have also enjoyed explaining some of these astronomical events to laymen. Both are, both require different kind of approach, but they are both, uh, I found, absorbing. They are well, uh, very well received. They are very, and I should tell you, he is a bit shy. 
um, I, I should tell you that he has written an autobiography. He wrote it in Marathi in our local language, mm -hmm. and that won him the national award of the wow. literature from Delhi. And he has got it translated in English now. He translated it himself. Wow. That is also brought out. And he has been writing very well. Uh, uh, now, now about my career again. Yes. So my, my career was looking after the house and kids. Dan's parents were also, they moved in with us. I had to look after them also. And in my spare time, I started working in mathematics. <clears throat> my supervisor had left. He had gone to Europe. But I started with the new research students again after six years they had joined. And I found, I changed my field a little bit. From analytic geometry, I shifted to analytic number theory. And I managed to solve a problem and get a PhD. That was the advantage I had because Jayan took a job in TIFR. <laughs> <laughs> because if you're not traveling in Bombay, it is so difficult that if I had to travel for one hour, to go to the place of work, I simply could not have done it. <laughs> I had hardly two hours every day. <laughs> and wow. But my, the other staff was very cooperative. They they used to have the lectures when I had time to attend. That was nice. Oh, wow. That's very nice. And, and you've, but you've now, also... Yeah, now I'm a teacher of mathematics and I'm working for school children. Mm. I have supervised the textbooks in my state and they are received well. Oh, wow. Now, some of your children, your daughters, have become scientists as well. Uh, yes. What? But they didn't. They didn't take after either one of you. They were, They went into different fields of biology and chemistry, right? They, they are very good with basic maths. In our house, it has to be. Yes. And uh, the oldest hmm. one, she is a professor of biochemistry in UCSF. Oh, good. She's she's Geeta Nalika. She has her own uh, lab, and her, her students are also progressing. The second one did computer science. She did PhD from uh, Carnegie Mellon. She is now working for Google, Girija. Mm -hmm. That is Girija Narlika. And none of them changed their names after marriage <laughs> as normally Indian women do. They do. <laughs> Third one is Leelawati Narlika. And she decided to um, combine both the fields. She works in computer science. But she does applications of computer science to biology. Ah, very interesting. So, but but they chose their fields. We, yeah. we of course did. But basic knowledge of mathematics, yes, they must have. They must know that. And they probably came here to San Diego maybe to visit when when Giant was here. I remember many times you guys, or at least Giant, I remember many times you were here. And I hope you'll be yes. able to come back someday because we miss you and and you're certainly a legend in the field of cosmology. And I remember how happy Jeff would be whenever you'd come to visit. And um, and even our, our assistant, uh, Peggy McCoy, she sends regards to you uh, as well, because uh, she, she worked very and closely. I, I, you will visit Pune sometime and visit the institute that Jayant was the director and founder of. I would love to. I've never been to India at all. But that brings me to my final question which is for both of you. I want you each to answer separately. What would advice would you give to your younger self? And I'm going to phrase it. The name of this podcast is called Into the Impossible. It's based on Sir Arthur C. Clarke. And he said the only way to find out what's possible is to go beyond into the impossible. And I want to ask Giant first and then Mangala, I want to ask you too. What thing about life 
seemed very scary when you were very young, a 20 year old person, what scared you, but then you had courage and you went into the impossible. So giant, you first, you have a lot of courage. Then uh, my advice to the students would be uh, to, to be honest with, his, with what they like. Sometimes they are made to do research in an area in which there is a bandwagon effect that they have to do it. Uh, otherwise, but they are not really convinced that it's correct. So the, you should be convinced that you are along a worthwhile path. That is my thing. And what about you, Mangal? I think the scientists are and should be the seekers of the truth, <laughs> irrespective of all other things. And to find the truth, yeah, as Jan says, you have to be brave. You don't have to uh, follow the line unless you are convinced. But main thing is the truth stands above all of us. So leave alone all the personal things and try to get what is the correct thing, what is the best thing, and don't be afraid of the truth. I, I don't know whether you read the story about Fred when he was in primary school. See, no. the class miss, the teacher asked them to go and collect a certain type of flower. And she claimed that each flower has five petals. Clover, clover flower, which you always yeah. find in the grass. Yes. So uh, you go bring it and you will see it. So they brought each uh, class, uh, the whole class brought things like that. Now, the one which Jeff brought, no, Fred, not, Fred brought, was that it showed uh, six petals. It had. So he asked uh, the teacher, you said there are five. I can believe there can be four if one has fallen off. But why? how can I have six petals? And the teacher got very annoyed with this questioning. And she uh, boxed his ear. <laughs> and he went home right away. He did not want to stay in the school. And then he complained. Uh, his mother was in favor of him when she heard all the details. And then uh, it, it went on until the headmaster said, that Fred can, he didn't want to go into that safe school again. So they said he can change the school and they will arrange that. So this was an example of Fred not liking the conventional wisdom. <laughs> and reacting to authority. something unusual. Yes. And he was showing evidence. Yeah, he, uh, he certainly had... Uh, his is uh, his challenge to authority. He was not one to to go along with the geese, the flock of geese that I've heard you talk about uh, before. Anyway, I thought I would only get one Dr. Narlikar and I got two. It's a bonus prize. Mangala, thank you so much. Jayan, thank you so much. This is such a lovely treat for me. It's an honor to to meet you both or to see you both. I do hope that you have a wonderful new year, healthy, and happy and i do hope that we meet again meet someday in person 
either in California or maybe in Pune. That would be wonderful for me too. That would be nice. Yes. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you guys. Good night. Thanks for going into the impossible with me. Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. If you enjoyed this episode of Into the Impossible with Professor Brian Keating, please subscribe, comment, share, and review. Watch on YouTube, listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. We appreciate hearing from you and are always open to your suggestions for future episodes. For more information and to sign up for Professor Keating's mailing list, go to briankeating.com. Follow Professor Keating on Medium and Twitter at Dr. Brian Keating, Dr. Brian Keating. For more information on the Clark Center, go to imagination.ucsd.edu. Into the Impossible is a production of the Arthur C. Clarke Center for Human Imagination at the University of California, San Diego, in the Division of Physical Sciences. Eric Veery, Director. Brian Keating, Co-Director. Produced by Brian Keating and Stuart Volko. Mm-hmm.